Now, this is uh, a different language theme. It's family language. It's family language. And furthering the idea that God dwells in us, not just as individuals, but as a church, as a community. And that together we have a purpose as a royal priesthood, which means we are all together in covenant relationship with God to represent him appropriately according to his character. So it means we look like him. The kingdom of God ambassadors, if you will. The kingdom of God ambassadors in this world. Peter continues to say that because of this, we should offer acceptable spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus. Which means that while operating out of the kingdom of God, our way in the world, we should position our lives to be a blessing people, giving up our lives for others. Now, in this next part of the, of the scripture, I'm going to actually read it out for you. Um, we move into our Isaiah reference. So this is the part where, um, you know, Peter is bringing in um, outside influence to help make his point to his listeners. So, so Peter's listeners, the audience, were, were Christians, uh, but they would have had some understanding of the background of the Jewish, Jewish faith. Uh, so that's why he went to Isaiah here. Uh, it says, Behold, I am laying a, a, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So what's happening in Isaiah at this point in history is that God was speaking through Isaiah, telling Israel's leaders that he is building a new temple and that it would be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now, Isaiah is addressing Israel's leaders in Jerusalem because they were doing something they shouldn't be doing. What were they up to? They had been making deals with the pagan nations that secured their finances and positions of influence. What does that sound like to you? Kingdom of this world. He was also challenging them when he said, the kingdom of God is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense because he knew their hearts. That they couldn't see what they were after and that they were after their own selfish gain and opposing the kingdom of God. They were promoting the wrong kingdom. And the world was watching. Now, that was a lot to digest. Um, I'll have some of the key points brought up again in our conclusion, uh, so hopefully that helps you remind you of them as you uh, digest this later today. I'd like to just read through verses 9 through 12. 
where Peter reminds us of our identity and who we are meant to be in the world. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that they speak against you as evildoers, and when they do that, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, as we begin to wrap up the message this morning, I want to give you a real-life example of the impact that experiencing these two opposing kingdoms is making in the life of a friend. A few months ago, I had a friend and his family come here to Mercy Hill. Now, he and his family had never entered a church before, so they didn't really know what to expect. This friend of mine grew up in a dysfunctional home surrounded by drugs and alcohol. And you can imagine what else. And even to this day, his brother is one of the biggest drug dealers north of the river. And now he knows full well what the kingdom of this world looks like and how it manifests itself in the destruction of lives. But what he has not experienced much of is the kingdom of God. And since we've moved back, he tastes it every time we get together. Every time he reaches out, every time his family comes into contact with ours, as we intentionally give up our lives and our own selfish ambition for their gain, as we look for opportunities to give up our own selfish ambition for their gain. God is ushering in his kingdom in this world, and he's doing it through us. And they can taste it. They desire it. They long for it, even. You see, the kingdom of God is attractive. And people that have been living their whole lives in the kingdom of this world, they will grow tired of it. Jesus said the land is plentiful and ripe for the harvest, but the workers are few. Maybe this is because the people meant to do the work are too busy looking after number one. This generation 
is bombarded by information. Another sales pitch, another self-help book, another opinion from this person or that. Why are we surprised that when we share the gospel, the response is always, yeah, so, so what? What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. Maybe because it doesn't mean much until they experience the life-transforming power of the gospel in their lives when someone shows them love. The kingdom of God breaking into their world. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion in the world that worships a self-sacrificing God? Why is that? Because, i got to tell you, that's crazy. It's like completely opposite from the other leader structures in our world. It doesn't make any sense. But yet, we get meshed in with other religions, I think, because we start to look like the blessed people rather than the blessing people. We start looking like the blessed people instead of the blessing people. And we begin to look just like every other religion, self-serving, self-promoting, the special ones, better than everybody else. And when we, we create these walls, like Israel did, we separate us from them. We begin promoting the wrong kingdom. When we focus on our position and our possessions as Christians, we begin moving from the blessing people to the blessed people. And then we are no different than the kingdom of this world. When we make it all about me, as Christians, or all about us, as a church, instead of about others in the city, we begin to miss what God has for us and what he has for them. Now here's a thought that you can relate to. Consumption acts like a vacuum though, doesn't it? Some of the most unhappy people I have ever met they seem to have so much. It seems that the more we feed ourselves, the more we focus on me. And even the more we want. It's never enough, is it? But when we begin focusing our attention outside of ourselves, loving and blessing others, we become more content with what we have, we even feel lighter. And this is a gift from God. Because we were always meant to be this way. What a gift that he would include us in bringing his kingdom here in this place. Now, after hearing all of this, I hope you understand the difference between the kingdom of the world 
and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of the world being things done for your own gain. And the kingdom of God doing things for the gain of others. Also, I hope you see how easy it is for us as, in, as individuals and as a community to slip into becoming the blessed people. It sometimes happens and we can't even see it. But Peter laid out how we can do this. In ongoing, never-ceasing relationship with God and intimate communal relationship with one another as we hold each other accountable to a life focused on others. Now, the question I hoped to answer today is why does Mercy Hill exist? And I don't have the specific answers for that. But the foundation of the answer always has to be the blessing people. How do we give up our own lives for people out there? How do we become the people that are focused outwardly? How do we fill the earth with God's kind of people? We always must be a people that are living for others, bringing the change a little more every day. Now, it's up to each one of us to look at our lives and ask us what needs to change. How can we be a blessing person in our workplaces, in our schools, in our community? And it also has to happen communally. How, as a church, can we be a blessing to Clayton Heights, Surrey, Vancouver, to the nations? That's the question we are left with. Now, I was going to end there, but um, I wanted to share a little story of um, something that's going on right now, and it's, it's just such a beautiful, clear example of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. Now, um, I also want to do this uh, relationally as a community because I think we're meant to, to share the deep things in our lives, our struggles, our pains, our, um, our celebrations. We're meant to do things together. Now, um, my grandmother, uh, she's in the hospital right now fighting for her life. And she uh, was diagnosed with cancer only a month ago. And uh, it's attacked her liver. And um, they felt that uh, the best way forward before we consider chemotherapy was to have uh, part of her liver removed. And when they went in there, uh, the liver's kind of separated into two lobes, uh, the left and right lobe, and the cancer, they needed to remove the whole left lobe and even part of the right lobe because it had gotten in there. Now, you can imagine the shock to your body um, as, as that would be extremely difficult uh, to recover from, especially, you know, she's 75 and, and she has other ailments and, and her body's trying to focus on this. But when I was thinking about this, and I was considering the possibility that she might not survive this. And it seemed last night that that's where things were going. 
It was not looking good. Her body was not responding well. They were talking about other things that they would have to do in order to maintain her life. But I was, and I was thinking about this, and I said, God, like, her life story is, is, is in so many ways very simple, but so beautiful. And I feel like she lived the kingdom of God. Now, if you know my grandfather, he's still around. Um, love him, but he's a very selfish man. Um, everything they do has to do with his decision, what he wants to do. Uh, she caters to him. She serves him. Her whole life, for the last 55 years they've been married, has been focused on serving him. Now, before you stone my grandpa, this, for my grandma, even though she has suffered through this, she is a physical representation of the kingdom of God in this world, even if it was just to save and serve one man. She's the physical representation, and I think God would say, well done, faithful servant. You have lived the kingdom of God in a small but beautiful way. And we need to ask ourselves the same thing. How, what's our life story? How are we going to leave a lasting impact in the lives of our families, our friends, people that we love, our co-workers? I don't know about you, but I, at the very least, want them to see the drastic difference between the way that the world lives and the way that people live when it's given to them from God. It's a way of love. It's a way of giving up their own ambition, their own selfish gain for others. So I just want to pray um, with you all this morning, and I hope that um, in some way this inspires you to make small changes um, to living into the kingdom of this world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for... Um, for giving us your word uh, that helps us uh, know our history as humans, that gives us our history of who you created us to be. You helped us to discover our identity in the world. I thank you that you've given us new life, that you didn't leave us in the darkness, that you didn't leave us continuing to spin and seek the ways of this world, but that you gave us a new life, a lighter life, a life that is full of giving our own away for others. It's a beautiful thing. We're so grateful for that, and we want to pray that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be your will and your way on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you, and I pray that everyone here would be challenged by this message this morning and that you would prompt their hearts to find little ways to make a difference, to look very starkly different than the kingdom of this world. I pray for uh, the hearts of people that this congregation would come into contact with, that you would prepare them, that you would tire them from the ways of the world and give them a thirst and a hunger to come into a community of your wondrous, wondrous light and kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.